The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. As he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away. For the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout the district. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace. Peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Vacation season is officially upon us, and I have nostalgia, particularly for my father, as I am now the father of three boys preparing for our own vacation starting tomorrow morning. Every year, you see, we would go to Three Lakes, Wisconsin, in the North Woods to go to my grandparents' cabin for two weeks. But it all began the night before. My dad would make us get all our luggage together, all our worldly possessions, and neatly put them by the front door. So that, come 5 a.m. wake-up call, we could load in and head out. My dad, always dressed in his finest jean shorts and the tallest tube socks you ever done seen. <laughs> and then you get into the car and you'd start with, of course, the finest cassette tape of them all, the Eagles' Greatest Hits, Volume 1, which then gave way to the Moody Blues' Greatest Hits. Later on, we'd sprinkle in a little bit of Kenny Rogers, perhaps, of course, Neil Diamond, and let us not forget Carly Simon herself. All the hits. But my favorite memory of all was my dad getting to the toll booth. He was always really proud of himself. He'd purposely have my mom make little stacks of coins that she could pull one by one when the time came. Very casually, backhanded, flip them into the little thing and you could hear them trickle down as you watched it count it up and the arm would go up. What's so nostalgic about this is that I'm just like my dad. <laughs> I dress the same way for vacations now even though I promised I never would. And yes, we still start every road trip with the Eagles' greatest hits and we always skip Witchy Woman 10 seconds in because my dad hated that song. <laughs> tradition, tradition, tradition. The only tradition that I can't keep, of course, though, 
is the toll booth. Because the iPass has ruined it for all of us. Also, this is your fair warning, those expire and I found out by the nice little note I got from the state of Illinois earlier this week, so check your iPass this year, friends. Regardless, though, a toll booth is actually where our gospel picks up this day as Jesus is walking through and passing by Matthew, keeping guard at the toll booth. And the little exchange is, well, we'll call it a call story, although the least dramatic call story you're ever going to set your eyes on, because literally the exchange goes like this. <clears throat> Follow me. And he did. Great. That was exciting. But you see, the drama here isn't what Jesus is doing, it's to whom. And that's oftentimes the scandal throughout Jesus' ministry. It's not so much what Jesus is up to, it's who he chooses to do it with. Who he chooses to sit with, who he chooses to eat with, who he chooses to call, who he chooses to touch. Certainly, that is the case in our gospel today. In fact, right after this call story, they go and they sit down with a, for lack of a better phrase, group of sinners, including but not limited to tax collectors and the disciples themselves. And I think it's kind of fun. Matthew, recently called from being a tax collector to a disciple, now gets to eat with his former co-workers and his current co-workers all at once. What a lovely dinner they must have had. But it didn't last long because, of course, the religious elite come in and look at him and say, why? Why would you choose to go to Simon's with them? And that's sort of, okay, look, Simon, that was a good joke, okay? Simon's the great breakfast spot, guys. Give me some credit. Fine, the Hy-Vee. Why do you go to the Hy-Vee with them? Is that better? Okay, regardless. They go out to eat together, and they are upset. Why would you eat with them? To which Jesus said, I came not for the righteous, but I came for the sinners. And as a sinner myself called into ordained ministry, I gotta say, it's true, right? But that's the problem. We like to put parameters, requirements around following Jesus, around God's grace, that which Jesus gives freely, as he reiterates today. The toll for sin is no longer sacrifice. The toll for sin is faith. Faith that Christ's sacrifice on the cross is sufficient enough for all of us. Faith that God's love for us is so great that it was willing to give the only son that we may live. Back. We're going to talk about the sinfulness in a little bit. During our welcome of new members later, part of the liturgy we are going to tell the new members, we're going to disappoint you. We are going to fall short of your expectations. There will be times here in this community where you may not always be satisfied. But on this side of things, we are asking for your forgiveness. Why, you ask? Let me tell you. Because if you do, if you promise to stick around, you'll see the healing that surely comes. And that, my friends, is why this man comes to Jesus. Because he knows if he pursues him, healing will surely follow. So this man, who we find out is a member of the religious elite, the same group that was just upset about Jesus' company, comes to Jesus and says, help me. My daughter has died, but I know if you, if you come to her, she will be made well. This man has high social status. This man is a part of the religious elite, and yet he comes humbly, and yet 
he is anything but self-righteous. In fact, he prostrates himself on the ground and he worships Jesus. You see, his theology, his faith, it's not doctrinal. It's desperate. He's desperate for help. Jesus is the right guy for the job. And in a weird reversal of things, Jesus, the one who oftentimes is calling other people to follow him, now begins to follow the man. And he follows him. He pursues him. Which then brings me to that image that we're so familiar with, the 23rd Psalm. For goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy pursues this man that his daughter may have life. But as Jesus is pursuing this man to his daughter, another person pursues him. The woman, the woman, you see, unlike this religious official, has no social standing, has nothing to be righteous about. And yet, she's just like this other man. She too has a strong faith that's not doctrinal but desperate. She says to herself, if only, if only I just touch the fringes of his cloak, I will be made well. And she does. And she is. She's made well. It's amazing. She's made well. And Jesus turns and sees her and says to her, Daughter, daughter, take heart, for your faith has made you well. Jesus claims her as his own daughter in this moment. That is scandalous, that he dare claim an unclean woman as his own. And if that wasn't scandalous enough, you know what his next act is? To go and touch a dead body. And he does it. He goes into the house, and he says, oh, she's just asleep. And you know what they do? They laugh at him. Oh, come on, man. She's not asleep. She's dead. And Jesus goes and he touches her. She gets up. And suddenly, the news begins to spread throughout the district. Because Jesus, you see, is calling and sitting with and eating with and touching those who live on the fringes of the community, on the margins of society. And when you live on those margins, there's no room for your own righteousness. But the good news is, you don't need it because Christ's righteousness is more than enough. So the question today for ourselves is how is Jesus pursuing us in righteousness? How are we pursuing Jesus for our own sake? And I think we're doing that work right here today. This month, here in this place, we are celebrating the LGBTQIA community. We are celebrating that God's love is for all people. God's love is for sons. God's love is for daughters. God's love is for the non-binary. God's love is for all people. Rainbow is a sign of God's promise for all of creation that all people may know God's love. And that, you see, that is a big deal because God's love, we are told, enters on a royal highway where there are no tolls. 
where sinners are made righteous, where faith replaces sacrifice, where God's mercy, not nostalgia, but God's mercy actively pursues us. So thanks be to God for pursuing us all with grace and mercy and love wherever we find ourselves this time of year. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.